Doug, thank you so much for having me here today. Thanks, Sarah. So we're here in the holiday section. What, what is new about your strategy this year for holiday? Yeah, thanks for coming to the store. Thank you um, for having me. We're an omni retailer, so we've got things going on e-commerce-wise, stores-wise, marketing-wise, and we just had a chance to walk around and show you a little bit about what's happening with our remodels here. We've got quite a few stores that have been refreshed, and that's exciting as we head into this Christmas season. How is it going so far? How is the, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Thanksgiving period? Yeah, we released our third quarter results early in November, and we talked about the fact that we saw some softness at the end of October, but that November had started off well. Um, what we said at that time is that we expect that Black Friday will go well and that things may be a little soft until you get closer to Christmas because customers, generally speaking, are really price sensitive right now. They're prioritizing their orders and, and they know that there's a chance that the prices might be lower right before Christmas or right after Christmas with clearance. And so that's, that's what we expect to happen. What are you seeing in terms of traffic around this important holiday period? Yeah, we're continuing to see traffic growth in-store, plus even more transaction growth for pickup, curbside, and delivery. Um, as a company, our in-store business is continuing to grow, but we expect that this trend of faster growth for curbside and delivery will continue. And we're happy to serve people however they want to be served. Um, customers these days shop in kind of an all-the-above way. They use stores, they use pickup, they use delivery. It's fun to come in here and pick, pick up what you needed for Thanksgiving and also look at what was available for Black Friday and that's the behavior we're seeing. What about by income level? Because it does feel like it's been bifurcated. Everybody's price sensitive. You know, we went through this period of inflation which has now changed. We're starting to see some deflation which we're happy to see. But as that price sensitivity went up, everybody was looking for value and we did really well and continue to with higher income cohorts. Higher income trading down, is that still happening? We don't like to think of it as oh. trading down to come shop at Walmart. It would be more like people are looking for value. But as we've shown you, like in our apparel category, we've got better brands, we've got some great values, even though they're at higher price points than what we might've had in the past. So Walmart has appealed to everybody for some categories forever. Like we sell a lot of bicycles and flat panel televisions. But these days we're focused on offering customers what they want in apparel and home and some other categories that have more of a fashion component so that we can serve everybody better. And then bring along services like Walmart Plus so that you can get free delivery and, and hopefully retain those customers that have been coming to us in recent times. You mentioned some of the, the general merchandise categories which have been weaker compared to staples like food. Is that reversing? Um, not in dollars, but in units, we're seeing GM start to come back. And um, we've done well in GM through the year, like back to school was pretty good. Um, things were better in the second quarter than the first quarter. It's gonna be interesting to watch what happens in the general merchandise categories in the year ahead because prices are so much lower. Um, we're down in pricing in the general merchandise categories, meaning non-food categories, by about 5% now and we're seeing the food categories basically about where they were a year ago. So today, if you're a customer shopping our app or walking through the store, you see a lot of rollbacks, prices that were lower than before. Our toy department's got 25 items below $25, and there are items that are easy to find there Which under 10 bucks. couldn't do last year. Couldn't do as many of those items last year. So you know, Hot Wheels are still sales? selling at a buck 18. You know, Barbie's hot, but under $25 is an important price point. Sorry. Is that is that helping sales of those It helps those unit items? sales, but yeah. you got to sell 6% more to have a dollar increase in retail. 
Um, but we'd rather have lower prices than higher prices. You got a lot of attention for using the deflation word. Yeah. Because it still feels like an inflationary environment for a lot of people out there. Yeah. So where is the deflation happening? Well, in general merchandise categories, for some number of months now, we've seen the trend coming down. As I just mentioned, prices are lower than a year ago by 5 or 6%. On the food side, the fresh food categories act like commodities. They go up and down in a more fluid fashion. Beef's higher right now than a year ago, but chicken's less. That kind of always happens. But the dry grocery and consumables categories, processed food, had quite a bit of stubborn inflation in it for a period of time. We're now seeing that change. So what we can see is that on the GM side, we're already below a year ago, and on the food side, that's where the trend is headed. So what we said at the end of the last quarter was there's a chance that we'll find ourselves in a deflationary environment in total as we have the months ahead um, happen. How do you drive growth in that kind of environment? Sell more units, grow more market share. But it's good for customers. They get lower prices. Do you expect a drop-off, though, in 2024 if these sort of deflationary trends continue? We haven't changed our plan. We still expect to drive a lot of growth. We're really well-positioned in that we've got stores plus curbside plus delivery, and we've got a lot of upside as it relates to e-commerce delivery, whether it's deliveries that are happening from stores or it's deliveries coming from our e-commerce fulfillment centers. And we've made a lot of investments in supply chain and automation to be able to have a better e-commerce experience. And so we expect to be able to grow regardless of the environment. Yeah, the e-commerce numbers have been surprisingly good. So is that a continuation from COVID habits or something you're doing specifically to change the appeal? What's driving it? People love to save time. If they can get a Walmart price on a broad basket of food and consumables and increasingly general merchandise, that's what they want. So COVID definitely accelerated trends that were happening. But last quarter in Walmart US, we were up 24% in e-commerce. That's driven by pickup at store level, delivery from stores, and also e-commerce fulfillment center deliveries, which are either first-party owned inventory or our third-party marketplace, which is really growing, which is enabling us to develop more services, have an ad business, have a fulfillment service business, things like that. Are you taking share from other e-commerce retailers like an Amazon or is it your own customers in-store? We're growing share across categories and I think part of it is because now you can get the Walmart price in a broad assortment in any way you want it. You describe the consumer as as softening. That's what you're seeing in terms of the trend. What do you think is is causing that? Is it it the inflation? There's also a number of factors hitting right now. We're we're seeing fewer, for instance, the food stamp programs, the assistance that was happening during COVID running out, the student loan payment resumption. What do you see as the mover? If we had been talking last spring or the beginning of last year, I expected more softness by this time of the year than we're actually experiencing. And I think employment and other things have propped that up. So you just list some things that would be downward pressure, but there's also some positive, uh, there are positive things happening. So all in all, I look at this year and it's stronger than what I would have thought this year that we're, we're getting ready to wrap up. Um, next year is a different story. You know, I don't know what next year is going to look like as credit balances go up. The, the balance sheet of the consumer is not as in good a shape as it was six or 12 months ago or a year ago. Um, but it, we still may find that you know, we're back to growth rates that look like 2018, 2019 in terms of total retail. We just think our opportunity is, is greater than that and we can grow faster than whatever the retail market grows. Are you bracing for a recession? Um, no. 
we're, we always manage our expenses. We want to play offense. I mean, you saw the inventory in our store today. We're, we are ready to drive sales, and we'll do that all the way through next year, too. You're well, inventory well levels stock. are in good shape, in stock where we need to be in stock, and aggressive on our features. You've been growing profits faster even than sales. You mentioned automation, and I'm curious how much that's been a factor toward better profitability in places like fulfillment. When we look at our multi-year plan, there are two levers that will enable us to grow operating income faster than sales. One is automation. The other one is the way the business model is changing. As e-commerce grows, digital relationships grow, we have membership income, we have marketplace um, service rates, we have uh, fulfillment services, et cetera, the things that I was talking about, advertising. Um, but as it relates to the automation side, it's early days. Like we've just really started in the last year or two to put some of these automated storage and retrieval systems into our distribution centers and fulfillment centers. So the upside from that automation will play out over a period of time. You can think of it as being kind of a four or five year time horizon. And you expect that to increase profitability? Yeah, it'll help us in a number of ways. It'll help improve customer in stock. It'll help us with inventory turn. It'll help us with inventory accuracy generally, which is worth a lot as we try to optimize the supply chain. It'll also help us with productivity, changing the back room of a store in the receiving process in a way that helps our associates and helps our, our expense level. What about generative AI? Where does that fit in? Yeah, related? we're really excited about how generative AI is already helping us with search and chat. Um, it's more of a solution approach today to go into our search bar and say, I want to prepare for a seven-year-old's birthday party. You get a better answer than what we could have done in the past, and I'm excited about how search and chat will be more relevant and personal in the weeks and months to come, and it's moving really quickly. Um, we can use generative AI to help our associates. Everyone's got a device. They have an application that helps them learn about their job and, and know what their next most productive task is to do over time. And then on the supply chain, demand forecasting is one of the big keys to success. The way data and the way more intelligent algorithms or applications are just getting smarter with our own large language models and, and those of others, um, together with what we're doing with physical automation, it's going to be a, a different supply chain just in a matter of a few years. Where are you in that, in that process? Yeah, um, call it a year or two in on about a five-year plan. It's different depending on whether we're talking about the automation of our perishable distribution centers or e-commerce fulfillment centers. We had an investor conference earlier this year where we tried to lay out all of those changes and they have some different timelines, but generally speaking, this is about a four or five year journey from here. But do you think investors appreciate what the potential is for generative AI on making a company like Walmart more productive and more profitable? Um, probably early days in that. We need to show what we can do with it and then communicate it and that's what we're out to do. What about associates? You said that it can help associates. Yeah. Will it lead to fewer associates? I think that's something people are wondering about. Yeah, probably fewer associates in the back room of the store, and maybe if technology can help us in the way we'd like at the front end of a super center over time, but the sales floor probably gets more people. Um, and what we're seeing in the supply chain is that it's basically the same number of people with just a whole lot more productivity, but their jobs change. I was in uh, Lancaster, Texas a couple of weeks ago, visiting with associates there who now work in an automated facility and their lives are better and they more, make more money. They're not walking 10 miles a day, they're walking a lot less, they're not lifting as much weight, but they're supervising the automation that's there and they're getting rewarded for it and that's awesome. That's what we'd really like to have people extend their careers and be able, when work is over, to be able to go coach their kids' soccer team instead of being tired because they lifted so much weight all day. So fewer back house employees, but more on the net-net, it's not a... 
and we're doing more deliveries with associates over time. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I think what we've seen happen so far is that as we've applied technology for the picking process in the store, for example, is that job composition has changed, but we have about the same number of people. And I suspect over the long term that's probably what happens with us. There may be times when we have a, a bit fewer and times when we have more and there'll be some changes like by location when the Texas facility becomes automated and it wasn't. But in general, I, I bet you that over time, because we come up with new ideas to grow sales, we end up with about the same number of people making more money. How would you characterize the current labor market since you see it across your customers, but also our major employer yourself? Yeah, it's more normalized. The unusual employment market that we saw the last few years has changed. Um, we are able to staff around the country, our turnover's down. We've got more continuity, which is helping a lot. We had so much um, turnover 2021 when people went out on COVID leave and we hired new people. We were hiring bartenders and waiters and waitresses because they needed work and they were learning the retail business. But these days, you know, we've got more up. experience and it's helping. What about holiday hiring versus other years? Our full-time ratio is so high relative to other retailers, we just don't need to hire as many part-timers. So we hired some, but we're pretty much staffed. Normalized, normalized hiring environment. Yeah. Normalized wage environment. Um, wages are still going up, which yeah. is great. And we'll raise wages um, going forward some more into next year. The percentage increase won't be as much as it was. It's more normalized as well. On the consumer, there's been a lot of focus on these GLP-1 drugs, and I know you sell them in the, you know, you have people on prescriptions in the pharmacy here, and there's been a lot of focus from executives at Walmart and discussion about what that's led to in terms of basket sizes and changing consumer habits. What are you seeing? I, I still think it's too early to, to call it, but we know our data is anonymized, um, and what we can see big picture is that there's some shifting in categories. As people think about losing weight, they buy more fresh food, for example. So there's some movement around, but I, I can't call what's gonna happen in the long term. It's, that's a developing story. I, I wonder, I think the, everyone's trying to figure out how profound of an effect it's going to have on things like packaged food. Yeah, we'll see. You're not, not, you're not saying- Too that. early to call. On packaged food, what, what are you seeing in terms of growth? Because they've had such enormous pricing power over the last mm. few years. That's obviously calming down right now. Are they are they are they taking too much? Do the do the manufacturers need to there's bring prices down? Yeah, there's you know recently more of a shift to wanting to die, to drive tonnage, wanting to drive volume, which is great. It's going to help us bring some prices down for customers, and they need it. What about private label? How's the environment for private label right now? It's been more consistent. You know, we we manage private label pricing as we've gone through the last few years to make sure that we're showing value for customers. And private brand went up as a percent of total for us. We don't really want that to continue. At Walmart, we have great prices. We want people to be able to compare them. So having brand names so that you can look around and see that Coke or Pepsi or some other brand is lower at Walmart is what, what we would design for. Private brands are important. We invest in quality. We, we try to treat them like they really are brands and not just some private label. Um, but you know we wouldn't want to see them to continue to grow in percent to total too much. We would like for the brands to offer a value to customers and have them grow. That's sort of what I was getting at. But they are growing now in this sort of value-oriented environment. Sure. Right? Yeah. Private brands label. are growing, but yeah, private brand grew as a percent to total, and it's still growing. But the branded manufacturers are starting to respond on price to get unit tonnage back. Got it. You mentioned advertising a few times, and there's been 
growth in that business, still a tiny portion of the overall yeah. business, how big can it get? Um, much bigger. Um, it'll <laughs> what are correlate, your ambitions? Then? It'll correlate to the e-commerce business. So growing e-commerce in the marketplace is key to being able to attract more advertisers. What we can do that some other people can't do is we can connect the dot between an ad you may have paid for digitally and a subsequent purchase in a physical store so that you can see the ad actually worked. So it too is an omni business for us. Growing the ad business, growing, what about financial services? Mm. That's a priority for you Yeah, too. we've had a pretty big financial service business for a long time, but it's largely analog and, and in person, and that continues. But we would like to digitize it, and some of those financial services show up in our own app. We also have a JB, JB with Ribbit Capital for a product called One, One Financial, and we're starting to see that scale, enabling a customer to use it to check out, to pay, eventually be able to have other services that would enable them to have a digital experience just like the one they've had here in person. So how big of a portion can overall services be for mm. the world's biggest retailer? Depends on how you define services, but there is definitely a more B2B aspect of the company today with the marketplace seller relationships, what we're doing with advertising and some of these other things. So I think that the percentage will definitely go up and we'll use the front of the store, our vestibule space to to do things like uh, help take care of your pets and things like that. So services will continue to grow and help us with the income level. Speaking of advertising, you're not, you're not advertising on X, which got a lot of attention given some of the headlines lately, but it doesn't sound like it has to do with anything Elon Musk said or anything like that. X has been, and Twitter before that, has yeah. been one of the ways that we advertise, but it's always been kind of small for us and we're in and out. We're right now we out. happen to be out, but we may be in and in the future. Based on just how it's connected Whatever with the customers. marketing tactic is, what's the best, best platform to use in that instance to convey whatever we're trying to convey? You are doing this, this interesting rom-commerce advertising experiment for the holiday. So this is what, like social commerce meets? Retail, Walmart, yeah. TV, it's, what yeah. is it? How does it work? I, you know, this merger continues. Social commerce is growing. Um, we already have relationships with a few social media platforms where we plug in so that you can transact and get Walmart items and Walmart prices. And operating in China, we've seen that digital transition happened with social commerce and what ByteDance has done with Dalian in China, what live streaming looks like. So for a while now here in the U.S. through various social media platforms, we've had a form of social commerce and it's been growing and I think it'll continue to grow and we'll find some fun ways like we're doing with ROM Commerce for this holiday. Where you actually show their shows and people click on it and buy it. You can buy, buy it right the then. That, Does that I, work? People do that? Yeah, I think the merger of entertainment plus commerce weaving in financial services and all that, that's just going to continue to grow. All right. Doug, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks. So appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming to see us. Yeah.